Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Tailgate Till May. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. We have a big-time weekend of college basketball ahead. Aren't they all big-time when you get to February, when you get to this time of the year? So I'm excited to dig into it with you. But first, a reminder, you can find me across all social media platforms at the same handle, at Sports. Follow me there, especially Twitter or X or whatever in the world you want to call it, because that is where I post all of my picks throughout college basketball season. When I record this on Fridays, a lot of the weekend lines haven't dropped yet. I'm working with what I have, but if I add anything, I will post it on Twitter. So make sure you follow me there at Gorg on Sports. All right, let's jump right into this thing. And before we get into the weekend slate, I want to start by talking about a little NCAA tournament, a little seeding, a little bracketology, and a future that I've added uh, in that realm. So when we're looking big picture right now, it's become pretty clear that UConn and Purdue are the two teams that would have to drastically screw up down the stretch here to not get top seeds in the NCAA tournament. If you look at FanDuel right now, Purdue minus 4,000 to earn a number one seed, UConn minus 2,400 to earn a number seed. So number one seed. So it looks very, very likely that Purdue will be the number one seed in the Midwest, the Detroit region. UConn will be the number one seed in the East region, the Boston bracket. Then that leaves two number one seeds left. Now, according to FanDuel, and I would agree with this, Houston is next in line, minus 400 to get a number one seed. And if you look at the latest bracketology from Joe Lunardi, it looks very likely that Houston will end up in the South region, which takes place in Dallas, right? Makes sense. And I think that's very much where each of those three schools would like to end up. Purdue in the Midwest, UConn in the East, and Houston in the South in Dallas. Now, they're just minus 400, not the overwhelming favorite that UConn and Purdue are, but uh, still negative money there nonetheless. And then the last one that is negative right now per FanDuel is Arizona, minus 140 to end up in that West region, which will take place in L.A. Now, I think, and the odds reflect this, that Purdue and UConn have a lot more wiggle room than Houston and Arizona right now. Uh, Purdue, 21-2 and two overall, number two in the net rankings, 8-2 and two in quad one games, 7-0 and oh in quad two games for 15-2 and two overall in quad one and two games. Those are some pretty overwhelming numbers right there. UConn, number four in the net, 21-2 and two overall, 8-2 and two in quad one games, 13-2 and two in quad one and two games. 
each have two losses. Their only losses are in quad one. Pretty overwhelming numbers. Pretty hard to argue with. Now, Houston, a little more interesting because they are number one in the net. They're six and three in quad one games. Uh, so they haven't lost a game outside of quad one, but they don't have quite as many big time wins as some of as what Purdue has, for example. You look at Houston's records, you look at their resume, and by the net ratings, their best win would be on the road at BYU. BYU is number eight in the net, but it doesn't quite have the same ring that some of Purdue's wins have. I mean, you look at Purdue, you look at who they played in the non-conference. They beat Tennessee on a neutral court. They beat Marquette on a neutral court. They beat Alabama on a neutral court. They beat Arizona in a uh, semi-home game. They've beaten Illinois. So Purdue, I mean, the who they have beaten is just a lot more impressive than what than the teams Houston has beaten. Now, Houston will have its chances, certainly. They have Kansas at home. They have Baylor on the road. They have Iowa State at home. They'll get some more chances there. But the overall resume of Purdue, the overall resume of UConn, to, to me right now, it's a lot more impressive than what Houston has put together when you look at who they've actually beaten. Maybe UConn's a little bit closer, but UConn's just been so dominant overall, and they do have that neutral site win over North Carolina. That's a big one. They have one over Texas, which I would say Texas and BYU, that's about comparable to me. BYU much higher in the net than Texas is. Uh with BYU being in the top 10 and Texas being more like in the top 40. But you look at those teams, I don't see them being drastically, drastically different. They do have some win. They have a win over Creighton uh, at home. That's probably their second best win over that North Carolina win after that North Carolina win. And they do have a Gonzaga win as well. But Gonzaga is not the Gonzaga that we've seen, but they've just been so dominant across the board this year. Uh, they looked like the most dominant team in the country to me. And with that number two net, or number four net, rather, I think they're sitting pretty pretty there. Now, Arizona is interesting because Arizona feels like they've just been up and down, super inconsistent. They do have five losses. They're number three in the net, but those five losses just seem to really stick out like a sore thumb. And it's not just that they've lost, it's, who they've lost to. They've lost to Stanford. Stanford is a 500 basketball team. And most of these losses have come on the road. In fact, they're undefeated at home, but they've struggled on the road. They've lost to Washington State. Now, Washington State, I think, is going to end up being a tournament team, but they've also lost to a really not very good Oregon State team, 11 and 12 Oregon State team. So Arizona has lost on the road, and they've lost to teams that are not particularly good on the road. Just one quad three loss, though. There are, uh, one quad two loss. So it's not like when you look at it in the aggregate, it looks terrible. But they have not been nearly as dominant, nearly as consistent as Houston, Purdue, or UConn. So I think there's two spots there up for grabs. And I'm kind of looking at value in this number one seed market here. Who could grab a number one seed? Couple teams caught my eye. North Carolina plus four twenty. It's around a twenty percent chance if you kind of convert that with the implied odds. And I like Carolina a lot. 
I think they're a good basketball team. But just looking at their schedule, I just don't see enough quad one games remaining on their schedule for them to really improve there a lot, a ton. I think they would have to be very, very impressive down the stretch. They have, I think, eight games left here. And I feel like they need to go 7-1 and one or even 8-0 and oh to really put themselves in a good spot for that because the ACC, it, it's just not a great league this year. There's not many great teams. They will have Duke on the road, but I feel like they would have to go 7-1, and 8-0 and, oh and probably win the ACC tournament to put together the kind of resume that the committee could not ignore. Now, we know that the Big 12 is very highly regarded. I think deservedly so this year. There's, there's strong teams up and down the standings in that conference. It's not just a top-heavy league, but yes, there are national title contenders in it. There are teams in contention for a one seed, but there's also depth throughout the league, and there are just so many opportunities on a night-in and night-out basis. So I started looking at a couple teams in the Big 12. One caught my eye, Iowa State, 12-1. to But the other, and the one that I'm going to bet on, is Kansas at 19-1. to What I like about Kansas is when you look at their odds to get a number one seed at 19 to one, compare that to their odds to win the big 12 regular season championship outright at plus 750. I'm going to take those 19 to one odds to earn a number one seed because I think if somebody can steal the big 12 from Kansas or from Houston, rather, they're definitely going to get a number one seed. I do not think the big 12 regular season champion is going to be ignored. And I think there's a distinct possibility that Houston and the second place Big 12 team could both grab number one seed just with the the lack of depth in the ACC this year, with the SEC being very good, but, you know, Tennessee seems like the biggest contender there for a number one seed, maybe Alabama, but I, I like the resume of those Big 12 teams better than those SEC teams. And I'll tell you why Kansas. Because Kansas, when you look at what they've done this year, they have beaten the best of the best. And I think that's going to carry a lot of weight with the committee. You'll look at who Kansas has beaten, and they've beaten Kentucky on a neutral court. Now, granted, Kentucky is not the Kentucky that we always think of. I, I I don't love this Kentucky team at all, but you'll look at the other teams. Okay. Tennessee, another team in contention for a number one seed. They beat them on a neutral court in non-conference play. UConn, who I said is all but a lock for a number one seed. They beat them in December, albeit at Allen Fieldhouse at home, but it's still a win over a team that is almost assuredly going to be a number one seed. Those are some impressive non-conference wins there. And then you get into conference and they've beaten Houston again, at home, but they have beaten Houston. So you look at the net, and they have beaten the number one team in the net. They've beaten the number four team in the net in UConn, and they have a chance this weekend at home to beat the number 14 team in the net in Baylor. I think when you actually stack up their wins, if they can get a win over Baylor this weekend, nobody will have better wins at the very top of their resume, except for Purdue. And that's why I like Kansas here. I like Kansas's opportunity. Now, you might be thinking, well, like, ugh, Kansas, they've also lost some bad games on the road. And yeah, that's true because they've lost to teams like West Virginia on the road. They've lost to teams like UCF on the road. They just lost to Kansas State on the road. 
and West Virginia sitting in second to last right now in the Big 12 standings. UCF, not a traditional power. And Kansas State had lost four games in a row before picking up that win over Kansas. But then when you look at it in the aggregate, when you look at what their team sheet looks like, Kansas is number 12 in the net. They're 5-3 and three in quad one games, 3-1 and one in quad two, and 5-1 and one in quad three. It's just that West Virginia win that is a quad three loss. And West Virginia is sitting at number 143 in the net right now. So theoretically, they could climb their way up into being a quad two game for Kansas when all is said and done. Because talked about it last week on the show, they've got Jesse Edwards, their big man back, and they're a very different team now than they were for the first couple of months of the season. So if West Virginia is able to scratch and claw their way into the top 135 in the net, that loss would become a quad two loss, which I feel like the committee treats much differently than a quad three loss. A quad three loss is viewed as a bad loss. A quad two loss is kind of a, a shoulder shrug. It happens. So, you know, some of this is going to be dependent on how some of these other teams in the Big 12 fare, but I like the possibilities for Kansas here because of what they went out and did in non-conference play, because of who they've beaten both out of conference and in conference with beating Houston, the opportunity they have this weekend against Baylor, and then they'll, they'll still have a game against BYU, a quad one game against BYU, at home, the number eight team in the net, they'll go on the road to Houston. They have some opportunities here. They could sneak in and, and win the Big 12, but even if they don't, I think there's a possibility that Houston and Kansas could both end up with number one seats. So at 19 to one, I'm putting half a unit down as one of those big futures on Kansas to get a number one seat. And while we're talking about Kansas, Let's start with their game this weekend, the Kansas-Baylor game, a top 15 matchup. It's where college game day is going. It's at Allen Fieldhouse. It's number 13 versus number four, and it's a big one in the Big 12. Aren't they all big ones in the Big 12? And I really, this is the game I'm most excited for on the weekend, 6 p.m. Eastern time, ESPN, and that'll get us into kind of our, our look ahead to Saturday's big game. And it should come as no surprise to you after I told you I'm betting Kansas to get a number one seed in the tournament that I'm also going to bet Kansas minus six and a half versus Baylor in this game. And last weekend was a reminder against Houston that Bill Self is one of the best, if not the best current coach in college basketball. This is still his conference. He is still one of the best. He's one of the best game planners. And I just love what he did with his team last week to get them ready to play against Houston. I thought Self put together an outstanding game plan to attack that really aggressive Houston defense. And yeah, he's probably one of the few guys, few coaches out there with the personnel to do it, especially having a really good passing big man like Hunter Dickinson. But I thought he put together an excellent game plan, and it was a reminder of exactly what he can do. It's also a reminder of the amount of talent that Kansas has on that team, and we've talked about it so much this year. 
one through four, now maybe one through five, they are as good as anybody in the country. It's the depth that's the question. But with Johnny Furphy, their freshman, now stepping up and having some big games offensively, giving them a little bit more of a threat from beyond the arc, I feel like that's a huge addition for them. And when I look at Baylor, I like this Baylor team. I think they're very good offensively. In fact, they might be elite offensively. But I still have questions about them defensively. I think people might be getting a little trick the last couple games because they're on a three-game win streak, and they've held, they held UCF to 69, they held Iowa State to 68, and they held Texas Tech to 73. But I think those point totals might be skewing the fact that this is still not a great Baylor defensive team. Baylor plays very, very slowly. They're one of the slowest tempo teams in the country, number 256 in the country as far as tempo is concerned. And when you play another slow-paced team, Iowa State, not nearly as slow, but very good defensively. But when you play a team, when you're in a game like that against Iowa State, I feel like the total scoring is going to be depressed a little bit there. And not to say they haven't gotten a little better defensively over the course of the season, but I still feel like this is a team that is driven by their offense. And Kansas is a good defensive team. Kansas is a very good defensive team. In fact, I would say Kansas' strength, if I had to choose between the two, is its defense over its offense. Now, the the thing they're probably best at is passing. They're very good at finding open looks. Uh, I think that is probably the single thing they are best at. But if you make me choose offense versus defense, I'm going to tell you it's the defense. And I think it'll be interesting to see how what Bill Self does to defend Baylor. Baylor's been going with some four some four guard lineups recently that seems to be pretty effective for them. But I just question with Baylor. If you have to get a stop, can you? If you have to play a game, if you're playing a game where your offense is stopped for whatever reason, if you can't score quite as efficiently as you have been or you would like to, can you get a stop and can you win a game like that? Because if you look at what they've done on this three-game winning streak against UCF, They scored 1.22 points per possession, but they also allowed UCF to score 1.1 points per possession. Against Iowa State, they were at 1.08. Iowa State was at 1.05. And then their most recent win against Texas Tech, they were at 1.18, but Texas Tech was at 1.09. So I'm still not sure about this Baylor team defensively. And with Kansas at home, Again, I like the Jayhawks in this one. I feel like last weekend was a reminder from Bill Self, from the Kansas Jayhawks to the rest of the country. Hey, don't forget about us. Because every time Kansas is faced with a big game, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's Tennessee, whether it's UConn, whether it's Houston, they have come up big this season. Their kind of one lone big game loss was against Marquette very early in the year. But every other game, they have shown up big time. So I'm betting on the Jayhawks here again. Kansas, minus six and a half in this one. A couple other games that I'm going to be putting some action on this weekend, this Saturday, is Houston at Cincinnati. And I'm going under 127 and a half in this one. 
This is a huge spot for Cincinnati. They are on the bubble right now. They are hosting the number one net team in the country. Cincinnati is a team that could desperately use a win. They've had a week off, and Cincinnati's strength is its defense. They are a physical team. It'll be interesting to see if they can out-physical Houston. They're a very good offensive rebounding team. They're a very good rebounding team in general, but we know that is Houston's bread and butter. I think this is going to be a slow-paced game. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, and I'm going under 127.5 in this one. And then the last bet I'm making this week, and I just got three, and I'll post more uh, on Twitter. Once these lines drop, they're, you know, they're not all out right now, but I'll post more on Twitter once the lines drop. I am going to go with Colorado minus one and a half versus Arizona. Now, that is a line that is probably raising your eyebrows a little bit. Arizona is in contention for a number one seed. Arizona is a top 10 Ken Palm team. In fact, they're a top five Ken Palm team. How are they an underdog at Colorado? Well, Colorado has been very, very good at home. Arizona has not been very good on the road this season. Now, Ken Palm actually has this as Arizona minus three. Uh, So there's definitely, that's been taken into account a little bit. T-Rank has it as Arizona minus two. But if you just take the last five-ish, four and a half weeks of play since since, uh, January 8th to now, and I think to me that's a lot more indicative of how teams are playing. Like I don't really care at this point in the season what you did against your non-conference cupcake opponents. I'm I'm much more interested in how you have performed, how you have played in the last month since conference play started because these teams in this day and age of college basketball with as much turnover as we have are much different in early February than they were in November. So I care much more about how you've done the last, call it four to six weeks. And we're, if you take it from January 8th, it's, it's almost five full weeks here. If you just take those results into account, Colorado would be a five-point favorite in this one. I feel like people are going to see this line. They're going to jump all over Arizona because how can a the, how can a top 10 team be a dog on the road at Colorado, a team that's unranked? And I th- feel like that's going to be the, the public side in this one is taking Arizona. I like Colorado in this one. I also like the fact that Arizona is on its two-game uh, mountain time, mountain swing, if you will. They played at Utah last night. They won 105-99 in triple overtime, and then they go from Utah to Colorado for a Saturday game. I think it's going to be a tired team. It's a team that hasn't played well on the road against a team that has been very good at home. In fact, much better at home as, they, as they've been on on the road and. Uh, a Colorado team that really needs a win if they want to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. I mean, if you look at bracketmatrix.com, which is a great resource, I it's my favorite thing to look at when it comes to bracketology because it takes all the brackets that are out there and it aggregates it. Right now, they are um, they are not in a ton of brackets, but they're in some. They're in Jerry Palms at CBS as an 11 seed. 
their average seed line in the brackets they're in uh, is a 10.8, so between almost an 11 seed, and they're only in 32 of the 96 brackets. So this is very much a bubble team that desperately needs a win. I like this as a situational spot. Uh, I think 10 teams tend to struggle going on that mountain swing. So give me Colorado minus one and a half in this one. Some of the other games this weekend that I'm interested in watching but don't necessarily have a play on so far, the one that everybody's talking about that you would have thought going into into the year would be the game of the weekend, no doubt, is Gonzaga going to Rupp Arena to take on Kentucky in, in early February. That's great. So what a pleasant surprise. But these are two teams that have been underwhelming this year. This Kentucky team, I bet on them against Tennessee. I talked about it on the show. I said, how many times have Kansas and Kentucky both been underdogs at home on the same day? Can't be many. I'm going with Kentucky in this one against Tennessee. And they what, what happened in that game? They proceeded to give up 103 points. It was not impressive. They are not a very good defensive team. I know they're dealing with some injuries right now. But this Kentucky team, man, oh, man, it's not what Kentucky fans expect. And it hasn't been what Kentucky fans have expected since the NCAA tournament was canceled in 2020. Over the three and a half seasons since then, they've only won one NCAA tournament game. They've won one single NCAA tournament game. That's unfathomable, unfathomable to me. When you look at where they stand in terms of wins over that time, they are basically Providence. Between the 2021 season and now, so again, three and a half seasons, Kentucky has 73 wins, Providence has 76 wins. So things are not where Kentucky fans want them to be. I expected more from this team this year. So this is a big game for them. And then from a Gonzaga perspective, Gonzaga is very much on the bubble for the first time in a long time. This is not the vintage Gonzaga that we've come to expect. So this is going to be a big time game. I I don't know how to bet this one yet. I don't know how to play this one yet. It's one I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on, though. A rivalry game here on Saturday as well. Purdue host Indiana. Purdue, a 17.5 point favorite in this one. Things have gotten a little bit ugly in Bloomington for the Hoosiers. They are not having a good season. They're sitting at 14-9, and 6-6 in the league right now. They're number 96 in Ken Palm, and uh, they they last weekend lost a game to Penn State. They did rebound with a win over Ohio State midweek, but things are just not where they should be in Bloomington right now either. I think this is a Mike Woodson now, his third year there, doesn't look like they're going to be a tournament team this year. It's going to be a very off season, a very interesting off season for them. I would expect Purdue to roll in this one, but 17 and a half is quite a line. They have dominated this rivalry, but man, after the battles that we saw last year between these two teams, between Zach Eady, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Indiana beat them twice. Indiana beat them twice last year, two and zero against Purdue. To see them see Purdue as a 17 and a half point favorite this season, uh, they've, I believe, already beat them once. Yeah, already beat them once, 87 to 66 in Assembly Hall earlier this season. Uh, ugly for the Hoosiers there in Bloomington. 
that's my show for today. I appreciate you listening. It should be a fun weekend of college basketball, and I can't wait to break it all down with you. Until next time, keep the girl hot and the cooler cold.